Welcome back to the Cross Games Podcast. For this time out, a couple things. Uh, we're going to dive a little bit more back into my uh, gaming past. Um, I didn't really get to talk about my first console experiences, and um, I think we'll we'll get into that a little bit. Uh, while I can't say that the console was the the match or the the spark that really lit the fire um, inside me around this hobby, the NES was definitely the gasoline. It took my interest and in, in, in focus on it to the next level. Uh, I also briefly want to touch on. What I'm doing today, um, where's, where am I putting my, my gaming focus? So let's get into it. The NES for me was a long, hard goal to get to. Many of my friends and classmates had them, and there was nothing I wanted more at eight years old than to get my very own. I think some of my first time spent with the console was with family friends of my parents. These family friends had two little boys. Uh, they were around the, the same age that I was. And they had an NES. And I, I can't imagine anybody's not familiar with the, the abbreviation, but that's that's Nintendo Entertainment System, first Nintendo. Um, while our, so while our parents visited weekend after weekend, um, that was often where our, our time was spent as little kids um, playing, you know, initially Super Mario Brothers, uh, which certainly evolved into many other games. These particular friends of our family, we actually spent many weekends, uh, and it spanned over years um, over the time that that we had visited them. And that was actually where a lot of my gaming breadth of experience came from uh, in those early days. And so I'll, I'll touch more on that in a little bit. When I finally got my wish of getting my very own NES, after I'm not sure how much begging and pleading, I know it was a lot, <laughs> I think that that first day that I got it, I, I definitely played until blisters formed on my thumbs. It, there was definite pain there <laughs> uh, as I remember it. I only had um, the game that came with the system. Uh, it was Super Mario. And Duck Hunt, it was that, um, the two games in one cartridge that came with a lot of the system system packs that you would get. It had the zapper and all of that. Um, but really, I, I mean, it was all I needed at the time. And more games were going to follow, but they would, they would come in a birthday Christmas cycle, uh, one here, one there. So in that way... I definitely had that concentrate on on one thing at a time headspace uh, because one thing was all there was. And one of the things 
that happened. Uh, and I think it was just a matter of timing of when I got the system. And I think this happened around games as well, but um, I was entitled with the purchase of that system to a free Nintendo fan club news magazine. And this was a this was a small 20 or so page piece on upcoming games and was really the precursor to the Nintendo Power magazine. So from issue 1 you know I started getting that right after the fan club magazine ran out. From issue 1 which featured I think Super Mario 2 if I remember correct, I got that magazine, Nintendo Power, delivered to my house until somewhere into the N64 era. I consumed and reconsumed and flipped through that magazine ad nauseum. It was it was my absolute favorite thing to read. And it, it was so exciting when it would come in the mail. Uh, unfortunately, I later, one of those... Um, mom clutter reducing, cringing stories that you get. Uh, when I was a bit older, she asked that I remove or drastically reduce the large pile of magazines that that had become. And many of them, I mean, we're talking issues one, two, three, categorically a complete set through maybe 70 issues. They went to the trash. And I miss those things. Um, it, it, they don't make them like that anymore. They don't make them at all. Um, so, and some of those early ones, they go for a little cash now. So, so that's that's it's a little tough. Um, I do have a few that I kept. Uh, I, I, there's no seeming order to them. I don't know why I kept what I kept, but I, I all I have of the sixty or seventy that of the collection is probably like five left. So that's kind of painful. So my second game came maybe a few months after the system that I got and I knew nothing about it. I went on really box art and advertisement alone. And that's honestly, that's, that's really a lot of the way that people chose their games if they didn't have a, a, a magazine to, to guide them in, in terms of what the, the game was about. Um, it's a little game called Metroid. And sidebar, I still have my original NES and the carts that I've discussed so far. Uh, and all work pretty well with, with a couple of small hiccups that, uh, that older tech tends to get. So thinking about Metroid, Metroid was a perfect companion to someone with only Mario to keep them company. Metroid had secrets and power-ups that expanded where you could go. And not only not only not only that, there was not a lot of hand-holding. Uh, so as a young person, it opened your mind up a bit to exploration in a game. One of the first power-ups you get, as I remember right, is the ability to 
shrink into a, a round ball. And this gives you the answer to a couple of areas that you couldn't understand how to reach them initially. Um, it was it was too small. It's like, all right, how do I how do I get through this? There must be an answer. And then you get this power, and then it, it you know there's there's it's obvious that's uh, what you need to use to progress. And the game had a great way of doing that with everything that you got an upgrade with. So um, with the addition of missiles and bombs, which were not only ways to combat your foes, but gave you the abilities that would unlock doors that you couldn't get past before, um, get you access to areas beneath you that weren't possible to access. So each time you powered up, uh, something on your suit, it meant, okay, I need to go back around and check places I've been to see what new access has opened up. And it made the game seem really expansive and imaginative. Uh, it wasn't a particularly forgiving game either. You also have to take into account, there's no internet. There's no game facts. No Brady games or double jump books or Prima strategy guide. You figure this out on your own and you check every nook and cranny on your own or you don't move forward. Unless Nintendo Power did a full spread of maps that you got your hands on or a buddy had the game and had, had it all figured out, it's your responsibility to progress. And that's not much. That's not an experience people have much today unless they force it upon themselves. So without physically blocking all of those easy ways out, um, it was daunting at time. And you got and when you got stuck, you got stuck. Um, it was it. There was I think there was a weird line, a phone line you could call at Nintendo where you could talk to talk to experts or whatever and 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 you know figure your way through the secret uh not really the secret but uh, where you were stuck um and, and i don't i don't know how it was 30 cents a minute or some stupid thing but um that that was it i mean you figure your way out or you're stuck there so that those were your choices um and over the next over the next year, I probably only added two more games. I added, I think it was Spy Hunter and Jaws, which are, I guess now as I think about it, two really somewhat random choices. But uh, Jaws, I, I had read about, and and I, it seemed like it had more to it than. Than not, and and uh, and I actually in, somewhat enjoyed the game. Um, I think a lot of people kind of hate on it, but uh, I think it was just because it was. I had looked at things in the magazine. I had decided that it might be kind of neat, and I made the choice. And as I said before, this was my one choice for however long it was going to be. So, it was a lot easier to say to look beyond like little flaws and little janky little things and just say, 
you know what? This is a pretty good game. You know, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna get what I can out of this game. So, um, you know, I ended up I ended up having some enjoyment with it. Uh, I believe I did get stuck in that game. There, there was something I couldn't understand how to how to hit Jaws with the with the harpoon or something like that. Or there was a there was something something on your boat that I couldn't I just couldn't figure out how to do it and that in the little instruction manual manual didn't tell you so um, you know it, it those were those were my four games you know for probably a span of a year year and a half um, that's all I had and while those games were my staples at home I remind you of the family friends of ours that came over or we went to their house pretty much every weekend. The two boys, uh, good friends at this stage had somehow and and I think partially because their dad liked to play had somehow started to acquire one to two new games every week. And they would bring those and a random selection of other titles over if they were coming to our house and we would play nonstop. I think they had upwards of 150 or maybe more carts you know, by the time they had moved on to the next system. So, so they would bring 20 or so over to play on a Saturday, Saturday night. And then leave five or six of them for me to play over the course of the week. And, you know, as a, as a little group, you know, the, the three of us, we would do a ton of other things as well. I mean, we played a lot outside. I don't want to make it seem like all we did was game. But um, and then we the three of us got huge into baseball cards for a time. And, and I will say that was actually a close second to video games. And hours spent in a hobby, like baseball cards, was was real close second for me. I, I loved them, spent so much time with them, um, spent a lot of time thinking about them, organizing them, doing doing all that. So I, I really have cherished memories of those times uh, for sure, and it, and it allowed me this vast exposure to, as I said, uh, upwards of uh, 150 different games, which in an era of the only way to play them is to purchase them at 60 to 80 dollars a piece or to rent them that amount was a mountainous amount um, of exposure to to different games and different types of games so what games do i have uh, sitting still in my my old NES collection, I did certainly acquire more games over time than those uh, than those four I talked about, and some of those were uh, symptoms of of having that great amount of experience with different games, and others just uh, kind of popped up over time with trades with friends and um, just uh, certain things kind of falling into my hands. Um, so you know, here here are the cards that I have. So obviously I have the the Jaws and the Spy Spy Hunter. Uh, do have Tetris, one of my mom's favorite games. Um, 
she would oh, she played the crap out of Tetris. Still does actually on a handheld. Um, so she spent a lot of time with that, and I still I still keep that to this day. Just um, you know, seeing it and and I'm I'm reminded of of her joy with that game. World games. This was an interesting one. This is a um, it's a it's an Olympics uh, style of game where I think it's I think it was made by Milton Bradley. And it's got a, f- a lot of funny little elements to it, but um, I, I I really like the different games that it had. You could choose, you know, what country you wanted to be, and um, you could choose what events you wanted to to put, participate in. And some of the events were kind of tough, um, especially if you didn't have the instruction booklet to tell you what to do. There was no prompts on the screen to tell you how to do certain things, so you could screw up royally <laughs> easily. So, uh, but, a, but a fun game, you know, and, and great for two player blaster master. Uh, not a game I, I had originally, but I think I got it through a trade. Uh, great game. You know, a lot of people know that game. It's, it's, you know, you have the different elements where you're sometimes in a car that's, you know, sort of acts as your tank and you go around shooting items and that's, um, shooting enemies. And that's one of the two ways you can kind of experience it. That might be in a side scrolling around with some platforming elements. And then you got out of the car and sometimes that's like a top down perspective and you, your little guy moves around and, and does some things. So, um, a, a cool game and, and good graphics for, for the NES ice hockey, just, uh, uh, Totally comical um, when playing with friends. That was that was a game they brought over a lot, and um, just a just a great fun little game. It, I mean, not much to it, but every I mean, everybody knows ice hockey, and a lot of the you you made up your team of of a few people with uh, the guys that were three different sizes. There was a, a very very thin uh, little guy that you played with, a medium guy that. Um, you know, had the balance of the speed and the, and the power to, to check people. And then there was the, the much larger guy that looked a lot like Mario actually. And, uh, you know, so you can make your team up of, you know, let's call them skinny guys and fat guys, uh, or, or, you know, three fat guys and one medium guy or whatever, and check people all over the, all over the place. But, you know, if you had a bunch of skinny guys around, they were very quick. So, you know, I had that, that rock, paper, scissors, how do you want to construct your team and, and play against uh, your friends aspect to it? And um, just a lot of enjoyment out of that. Good memories. RC Pro-Am. Uh, I loved when they brought that game over and I, I'm, I'm glad I have it. Um, it's what a great game. I mean, it, uh, the action was, was really fast. It was, it was two player. Uh, if I remember right, maybe it wasn't. How can I not? How can I not remember that? Um, I believe it's two player, and you know, it, you you drove around. You could get missiles and bombs, and it was a quick little course. And it was, you know, you were up constantly upgrading your vehicle with more traction or turbo or better engine or whatever. And um, it it was it was just a lot of fun. It was quick action. You know, it, it wasn't the races weren't overly long. Um, 
there was a lot going on. You could screw up very easy. A race could go from in your favor to, to you know, really screwed up in a, in a very quick amount of time. So it was, you know, it was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, there, there was one element of that game and I, I should look it up because I don't, I never understood it as a kid and I don't know what the hell, why it's in there or if it's a glitch. It's probably not, but it's, it seems like a glitch. I think it was the yellow vehicle. I don't, and, and it would happen pretty consistently on different, on a few different races. This thing like on like the second or third lap would just get this turbo boost and you would hear it, it like. I'll call it spooling up. It would be like, mm, it, it, and, and that thing would take off at like four times the max speed of any other vehicle. And it would just start lapping people. And it was the most frustrating thing because there was no, there's no counter agent to it. I mean, there was missiles and bombs and you could, there was a couple times I, I was able to, to, to pinpoint it and just wipe that thing out with missiles until I passed it. But unless you had a, a large quantity of missiles and um, you were you were close to the finish line, this thing was just going to spool up again and take off, and there was no way you were getting first place. I don't. <laughs> I'm sure that it, it, there's probably something out there that that describes it or why why that happens, or or there's maybe a, a famous thing out there that that talks about it. But I was uh, God that irritated me. <laughs> that was definitely one thing that irritated me about that game. Rad Racer, I have uh, loved that game. You know, uh, Ferrari was was one of my first loves as a car for a car, and still is actually. Um, you know, so the ability to drive that Ferrari um, and, and and cruise around the countryside, change your radio stations, had a day night cycle. It, it doesn't sound like much, but guys, think about the time. I mean, they, they, besides the NES, there wasn't a lot of things out there to to have different these different elements of games. These days, things come out on different platforms. PC, uh, new indie games are coming out at you know five games are coming out a day, and everybody's doing a little something different. So there's there's very rarely something you see that you haven't seen before somewhere. And if you have, if it, if you haven't seen it, it's just because you missed it, and it's been out there. Like things have been done. Day night cycles they weren't often done at that time. This was an early, early game in the NES life, and you know they they would just sun up, sun down. You know, night driving at night with their headlights on. They that was, you know, that was that was new. It was different. It was cool. So. um yeah, definitely good memories with that game. Not not an easy game, if you ask me. Um, I haven't played it in a long time, but I, I had a tough time with it um, as a kid. I, I got pretty far, but I, I don't think I ever beat it by any stretch. Uh, I had two Mega Man games. Um, not a lot of experience with Mega Man. I think it was more rentals, but I did love a lot of aspects of that game. And the music, the music was awesome in that game. Still is. Still to this very day, uh, what I, one of the things I loved about that series was um, choosing your path and powering up your suit. How your suit changed color, and then all of a sudden you had these these different powers, and that would change the the balance of of your next fight on on the next robot, and the sort of the breadth and the depth there 
that wasn't necessarily in other games. You choose your path. You 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 get these different power ups, and, and it changes the d- dynamic of how you might approach a level or a boss or something like that. And and this is a theme throughout the the you know a lot of my games, guys. When there's different elements to a game, and it it changes. Even if it changes things a little bit, it's not that linear on rails experience. It's, you know, you choose, you know, what path you want to take. You choose what power ups you want to use. Yeah, there's a good way and a bad way to do things, but you choose how to do that and how to approach those things. And maybe you'll find a, a neat way that nobody else has or a little a little way to do things that make it a little bit better. Uh I love that sort of experience in games. I always did as a kid. I still do to this day. Uh, and that's probably why I choose some of the games that I do is, is through that uh, freedom of choice. And I think we'll go into the, when we go into the topic, it, it's, there, there's such thing as too much choice in my opinion. Um, but, but having some choice is really, um, was really great for that, for that time of, of gaming. I have Top Gun, uh, extraordinarily frustrating game, uh, at least it was for me. Um, but you know, I enjoyed it over time. I have a uh, Dragon Spirit. I, I enjoyed that game quite a bit. Let's see here. I have Final Fantasy one and Dragon Warrior. Uh, we will do a lot of talking about RPGs and I'll, I'll bring those up then, but, um, these were fascinating, types of games for me. Um, love them. Still love them. Heavy Barrel. This was a great game. I mean, for, for couch co-op two player, this, this was where it's at. This was a lot of fun. It was, it was that partnership aspect of, Oh, I got a key. All right. Well, you unlock this thing. Uh, Oh, do you need this gun or do you have, Oh no, I still have some left. You get it. You know, oh man, I died. You know, I'm out of guys. Can you? Can I get a guy from you? So you you share. You know, you shared the 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 one ups. I believe it's that partnership that that going at it together and achieving the goal together and and how to you know, oh, you go in and do this and I'll I'll stay over here or whatever. You know that the the early experiences of that couch co op, heavy barrel was 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 a lot of fun. Um, there was a lot of games that did it well. This is definitely one of them, in my opinion. Uh, Base Wars. This is not a game I hear a lot of people talk about. I love this game. Uh, it was made by Ultra, which is which is who did the Ninja Turtle games. And this game, again, the the little niceties, the little things that make it, you can make the experience your own. So this game, uh, it's it's set in the future, futuristic baseball done by robots. And you have different types of robots. The robots carry different types of weapons. They have different uh, abilities that make them catch the ball easier, hit the ball harder, or pitch more. Um, and you had the ability to customize your robots and name them and do all kinds of little stuff. So you could create your own team. Uh, and that wasn't being done a lot. That that there wasn't a lot of games doing that at that time. Um, so it was, it was new. It was fresh. It was cool. Um, this game, you know, it changed the dynamic of baseball in terms of the rules. 
Uh, so if you, let's say someone was, you were trying to steal a base and someone's throwing you out, you get to the base and then a fight starts that you can, it, so it's a, it turns into a fighting game. The person that has the ball has the advantage, but you can fight your way and try and beat them using whatever weapons you had, um, to say that, no, I'm not out. I'm taking this base. So you know, there was, there was that element of unknown of like, yeah, I'm going to throw them out, but, uh, now, now I got to get through this fight as well. So there was, <laughs> there was a lot to it and it was comical. There was a lot of funny things that happened in that game. Um, but the ability to set your own team, to name it, you know, name it all, uh, uh, all of your friends and, and all that, uh, sort of thing, that, that, that freedom of customization and choice. I loved it. Still love it. It's a great game. North and South, a uh, game about uh, another game that I don't, I don't hear a lot about, but uh, that I first played with the with the, the boys that would come over. Um, Civil War game, you know, not a not a, a subject you want to, you know, inter- make make light of, but um, they did it in a in a way that was comical, but also that there was some some different ways to go about achieving your goal. So you obviously needed the biggest army um, and the best army to win. And there was different ways to do that. You could combine armies. You could um, get uh, uh, shut off their access to railroads by ju- you know robbing trains. And that was one aspect of the game. You could shut down all their forts by... Um, you know, invading their forts. And that was another aspect of the game. And for everything that you did, whether it's trying to rob the train, trying to steal the base, whatever, the other player was trying to prevent you from doing that. So they had their um, defensive ways to, to combat what you were doing and vice versa. And when armies would battle on the battlefield and, and terrain changed, which was something else you didn't see much in, in Nintendo, uh, for, for this type of thing, the terrain changed and the terrain would, could determine, you know, who had favor in battle. And there was, it was my first experience. This, this battle was my first experience in real time strategy elements. So you had different parts of your, your army. You had the, the, the guys with the, the muskets, uh, or rifles or whatever. And, and you had horsemen, and you had a cannon, and you had to manage all of these different things one at a time, and set them in motion, and then you know rejiggered compared to what your opponent was doing. Uh, so this became, you know, I loved that aspect of the game, and later found out, you know, real time strategy. This is a whole genre of games that I could, I could, I could uh, wrap my head around. So very cool. Um, Love, love that game. It had a lot of fun with it. Had a lot of funny moments. Um, but yeah, definitely a fun game to play. Uh, RoboCop was another one. Uh, this was t- it was a tough one because I had played it in the arcade, loved it to death, and then when I finally got my hands on the NES cart, <laughs> the experience was not the same. And you know, as as a young person, you don't. Sometimes you, you don't, you think it's going to be pretty similar or, or close enough. And, um, it, it, 
it was pretty different and it wasn't very good. But I spent my time with it because I had decided, all right, this is a main purchase. This is going to be something I'm going to own and uh, I'm going to spend my time with it because that's this is the new game that I have and it's the only new game I'll have for a while. So, you know, I'm going to spend my time with it and, and get try to get the most out of the game. Uh, and the, I think I have a couple other games. One is Pinbot, which was um, something that the kids brought over that I that I had always had kids and little boys, whatever. We're all kind of the same age, but they brought over and and I. It was pinball, but to the next degree, there was a lot to it. Uh, again, you'll hear that phrase over and over again. It was it was something I favored in games. It was if if there was things outside of the game normal game element that you could tweak or change and that would change your experience or you could do a little different each time that was something I was leaned into um, so so this was had a little bit of that and uh, the, so that's a good memory game and it's something I picked up I think for like four bucks or five bucks somewhere along the way uh, just to have as a good memory and to play once in a while and the chess master I think is is one of the last games uh, in this set I have here. Um, and, you know, like chess as a kid, you know, started to understand the game a little bit. Never understood strategy elements, but I understand what all the pieces did. Um, so, I, you know, I would try to figure out different ways to get through the game. Uh, I didn't spend a lot of time strategizing just because I was an impatient little kid, but um, I, I enjoyed the process. And uh, it, it was nice to be able to play it and not need, you know, somebody's attention, you know, a friend or a parent to go and play with me. So, um, that was, that was a good game. Now I have other ways of playing NES games and I have other NES games at my fingertips. Uh, but these are the purest actual physical carts that go in the actual physical Nintendo, um, ones that I have. And, and we might get into some others that I've played and, and do have access to, but, you know, no need to to get more into that. Something I want to touch on this time is to really jump forward in time to present day. Uh, what am I playing now? I will say this now and, and repeat it from, from time to time for any who find it important. I am mindful of people who don't wish to get spoilers in a game. I get it. As someone who doesn't play the latest game until I'm good and ready, which could be any number of months or years down the line, it it's it can't, you know, sometimes it's not easy to avoid them and sometimes it's irritated when you bump into them. Uh, I will tell you that this is not a spoiler-free area. Um, any game I talk about while in most cases would have been out for a long, long time and everybody would have played by now, I'm going to discuss them in a dynamic manner without care to spoilers. Just so I'm not tripping over myself, trying to find ways to, you know, placate the, the masses with ambiguous descriptors, uh, as to not spoil something. So I, I will, in this episode and in future ones, find as many ways as I find sensible to indicate the games that I will talk about. So if you're sensitive to a spoiler, 
that you can avoid them at your convenience. Um, and, and that will probably be in the form of, of um, some tweets or other social posts marking the episode is up. And if you hear the name of game that you don't wish to hear about, I think it'll be easy enough to, to skip ahead or do whatever makes you feel best about it. So I just I did want to get that out there. Uh, right now, I have a couple of things going slowly. Um, one being my first playthrough of Tales of Graces F. This is a PlayStation 3 JRPG, uh, for those unfamiliar. And I'm around, I'm around the six-hour mark uh, where some of the characters are getting reintroduced from a short hiatus of being away. And, um, I, I, I'm enjoying this particular version of the, the Tales of Action battle system, which seems to, you know, it, it has its little tweaks from game to game. Um, uh, this particular version, it, so far, so good. I like it. Uh, I am having more fun uh, dualizing items than I anticipated having. Uh, they make it pretty intuitive and, and simple, which I appreciate. Uh, but I think there is there is some depth there for those who really want to get the most out of it. So dualizing is your alchemy ability to a degree. And and through discovering pieces of what have you on the ground, or through defeating enemies or in chess, you get pieces of things to put together and see if they fit um, to make a u- different usable or sellable item. Um, so, it, you know, you choose one thing and then it'll show you the different options of things that you could pair it with, um, which... Like I said, it makes it, it's kind of a nice quality of life thing that you don't have to like try a bunch of stuff that doesn't work. It's like, here's the things that this will work with. So that was kind of nice. Uh, I think the game is gorgeous um, if, for looks. You know, I, I recently completed the Seaside Cavern and just the lighting and, and water effects and use of color, I, th- I thought was really nice so far. Um, the other game... I am playing is on my laptop and it's called King's Bounty. Uh, King's Bounty, the legend. And this may be the time I stick all the way through with it, but, uh, or maybe not. What I can tell you is this type of game, uh, this series and those similar with, with similarities to it. I want to say games like heroes of might and magic age of wonders, uh, the Disciples series, these kind of games, I can come back to and replay as many times with with no disappointment. So if I don't get through it, it it doesn't it doesn't bother me. I love them all. I'm addicted to the depth and the the length and my feeling of choice and uh, the game's pacing and and the look of the games. Uh, I'm at the very start of this game, and for this particular game, I mean, this this came out 11 years ago. I'm as pleased by the the music and the use of color and, and graphics of this game than I would be if it launched yesterday. Um, games reach a certain point for me that it only needs to hit a particular watermark watermark of, of charm and detail, and from that level on, I'm 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 very happy. I don't, I don't need more. So I uh, definitely loving my time with King's Bounty. They recently un, uh, announced a new one. So I'm excited to, to share more as we go. So that 
that's it for today, everybody. Uh, I hope you're getting some entertainment or, or maybe some nostalgic value from this. I'm really excited to do more of it uh, and, ha- and have some guests and, and do some different things. Uh, I have a lot of ideas, uh, I, and I can't wait to talk more about it. I, I mean, it's just it's a real passion of mine. So it's cross games. I'll see you out there.